You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. If I was talking to you five years ago about the Beijing-based tech company Didi Chuxing, I'd probably tell you it was China's version of Uber or Lyft. But these days, if you live in Australia, Japan, Brazil, South Africa, or one of the 10 other countries outside China where it's available, you just know it as Didi. Didi has been named one of the best startups, one of the most innovative companies in China, and this year was named by Time magazine as one of the 100 most influential companies of all time. There's almost 500 million users of Didi worldwide now. And all of this helped build the excitement on Wall Street last week as investors prepared for Didi to make one of the most anticipated initial public offerings this year. Chinese ride-sharing giant Didi about to make its debut uh, on Wall Street with an targeting a 62 to 67 billion dollar valuation for its initial one of the biggest, if not the biggest, listing in the U.S. 100 billion dollar valuation is what others have reported. Like, Yo, you for got this my blessing to bet on Didi. I would try to get as many shares as you can. Didi. Didi launched on Wednesday, June 30, and proceeded to raise 4.4 billion U.S. dollars. The share offering was oversubscribed by more than 10 times, forcing Didi to expand the number of shares on offer. But then, like an unexpected roadblock, China's internet watchdog, the Wang Xinban, or to use its English title, the Cyberspace Administration of China, announced it was placing Didi under review, and any new users were prevented from registering. Two days later, Didi was also deleted from app stores. But it's not just Didi that's been pulled over. In the past couple of days, three more companies have been listed as under review. And the shockwaves of these actions continue to cause tremors through stock markets and share prices alike. Welcome to Inside China. I'm Simation. Before we go any further, a reminder to you that this is a developing story. As I speak to you right now, my colleagues on the tech desk at the South China Morning Post are hitting the phones, firing off emails, and energetically texting on WeChat to find out more about what's going on. So what you're going to hear today is what we know right now. If the situation changes between this recording and you listening to it, you'll find the updates on scmp.com. With me right now are two of my colleagues from the tech desk here at the SCMP. Tracy Chu has been following this story closely, and Tech Desk editor John Artman has been having some late nights as this story keeps unfolding. So Tracy, let's start with the story filed on Sunday when the Cyberspace Administration of China, or the CAC, issued a short statement saying that Didi has seriously violated laws on collection and usage of customer information. Was there any detail on exactly what that meant, and is there more to the story? Yes. Um, so I think the more important part of this is a cybersecurity review on Friday night. So basically, China's internet regulator said it has stopped Didi from registering new users just two days after the tech giant um, completed its initial public offering in New York. So I think it is the first time Beijing has public cited national security reason for launching an investigation into one of the country's tech giants. 
government. Um, of course, Didi said it will fully cooperate with relative government authorities during the review, but uh, you know many details are still remain unknown. And um, the statement also didn't mention any specific clause that Didi is suspected of violating. Then over the weekend, two days later on Sunday nights, uh, China ordered Didi of the country's app store until further approval. They said that the app has seriously violated the regulations and laws uh, through improper collection of users' data. So now mainland users can still use it normally if you have already have it on your phone, but new users cannot download it. So Tracy, is this the first time that tech companies have been targeted by Beijing over the collection of user data? Um, no, actually, it is not the first time. And the CAC named app over uh, collection of data very regularly, I think, in recent years. Um, for example, in May, the CAC named TikTok, Quaishou, LinkedIn, and another 102 apps for illegal collection and use, use of personal data. So it's kind of like getting normal in China's internet space for the regulators cleaning up the domestic internet space. John, I imagine that some Americans might be thinking it's a bit ironic that Beijing is upset over the collection of user data, given its reputation for surveillance. Why this concern over collection of data by a right-hailing company? Well, so as as Tracy mentioned, um, the government is paying a lot more attention to data. Uh, there's a few different uh, laws that uh, will come into effect soon um, or have already come into effect related to this um, that are actually now being enforced more and more often. As Tracy mentioned, you know, there are uh, some pretty high profile cases over the last few months where apps have been named and shamed. Literally, this is the app. This is this is the company behind the app. And this is the violation that the app had uh, that the CAC and other other uh, departments have been released almost on a monthly uh, basis. So most recently, uh, Microsoft's uh, mobile office applications were called out. So that includes uh, Microsoft Word, Excel, and PowerPoint all on uh, all on mobile devices. And so I think that you know, we have to make this distinction between what the government does and what private companies do. Um, so when it comes to surveillance in China, you know, I think that that's, it's a very abstract concept uh, that everyone seems to kind of accept as true, but not really understand how it actually works. I don't think I don't think that's the scope of, of, of this podcast to discuss it. Suffice it to say that, you know, what DD does on a regular basis versus what the Chinese government may or may not do are two very, very uh, different things. Um, a few years ago, uh, the uh, CEO and founder of uh, Baidu, made a public statement to the effect of, oh, you know, people in China don't really care about data privacy. And that really kicked off um, a pretty big wave of, of sentiment around the importance of uh, data privacy. And so the laws and the regulations that are on the table and that are now coming into effect are in many ways a response to a growing concern uh, among Chinese people about what data is being collected and how it actually is, is being used. And so the, uh, the action against against uh, DD, it has 
a legal basis, right? There are, and it also has, you know, a, a regulatory precedent as well. Um, apps and companies have been punished uh, for something similar. Again, we don't know the exact details of uh, DD's uh, violations, but to say that this is all coming out of the blue is isn't quite accurate. So this issue over user data, this is something that affected Tesla operating in China as well. Is the issue here about the kinds of data being collected, or is it about where the data is being stored and which people in which countries can access it? That's a great question. Uh, and I think that really um, encompasses a lot of what's at play right now. Um, we can see that on the one hand, there is this kind of economic uh, and political decoupling uh, going on between the U.S. and China, uh, and it also applies to uh, to data. Uh, this term, data sovereignty, is becoming more and more of a uh, of a word used by governments around the world, including the United States. Uh, ostensibly, China probably uh, was you know one of the, the main pioneers in this, but we've also seen it with Russia. We're seeing it more with the with the EU, and we're also seeing it with uh, the. United States. The idea being that um, any data collected in a specific country must stay in that country under the jurisdiction of that government. So the problem with the internet and the way it's designed is that it's supposed to be decentralized and open and free. Anyone can actually access it. But uh, but governments would be like, hey, wait a second. What do you so you you're over here collecting data about people in my country, sending it to a different country where that country's government might be able to use it in such a way that is negative for you know, the people in my country. So that's that's one of the big things. And so with China specifically, they've actually been creating uh, more laws and regulations specifically targeting cross-border transfer of data. And so when we're talking about Apple or Tesla uh, operating in China, that's exactly what we're talking about. And uh, the the laws and regulations that um, that are coming into effect are actually the punishment for not getting proper and prior authorization for the the cross-border transfer of data is extremely steep, going as so far in some cases to actually shut the business down entirely. Tracy, what are you seeing on Chinese social media about DD? Are people upset about the collection of their data or worried that they might not be able to use DD anymore? Yeah, I think the DD's removal from App Store is one of the hottest topic on China's social media. Um, on Weibo, everyone is discussing it. Um, there are some serious uh, users are saying that, okay, they sold our data to the United States, um, which... Um, has forced the executive to deny the allegations that, um, okay, um, the domestic data are stored in the domestic, domestic servers and it is impossible for our company to hand over user data to the, to the U.S. Um, there are also some others worrying that uh, they are very worried about uh, if they cannot use Didi because basically everyone in China is using Didi. There are some similar apps in China, but it is not just as big as Didi. So, John, there's not so much an elephant in the room here as an ant. Last year, Chinese regulators canceled the IPO of Ant Financial, which is an affiliate of Alibaba, the same parent company that owns the South China Morning Post. How do you think this is related to those? Uh, so first of all, I have to I have to point out I don't have any special insight into the government's thinking. Um, I think that really what we can see, all we can really do is kind of connect the dots uh, between what's been happening since last year all the way up until this year. Uh, and I think that if we do that, what we'll see is a government 
government, uh, a regulatory system that is becoming much more confident in uh, reining in uh, the behavior of uh, the country's uh, big tech companies. Um, and so what we've seen, you know, through antitrust, through privacy, through cybersecurity, uh, the government is more and more saying, here are the lines and you have to stay inside of them. And, you know, there's this saying in uh, in Chinese, kill the chicken to scare the monkeys. And I think that in the case of Ant Financial, in the case of Alibaba, and now in the case of DD, that's exactly what the government is doing. It's taking some of the largest companies in different sectors that are out in front of the, the, the public eye of the entire world and saying, you have to listen to us. We are the ones in control. This is actually really interesting because one of the reasons that China's technology sector has become so large and so powerful and so valuable is because the regulators historically have taken a very hands-off approach, just saying, hey, you know, we're going to say, okay, maybe this little thing over here is not okay, maybe this little thing over here is not okay, but there hasn't really been kind of a, a whole of regulatory bureaucracy approach, if you will, uh, to regulating uh, technology in China. And and as technology becomes more of a geopolitical issue, uh, the government is becoming much more active in regulating and, uh, and controlling the technology industry. John, if you add this new crackdown from Beijing to how the Biden administration has doubled down on laws made under Trump restricting U.S. investment in Chinese tech companies, how is this going to play out? Well, I mean, you know, all of this, again, um, it's, all, it's all happening in the same, in the same world China and the United States are increasingly at odds over a variety of issues. And, you know, we've been talking for more than a year now about uh, about decoupling. And I think, honestly, the sad the sad truth is that it's actually happening. Um, the, one of the reasons that uh, Didi chose to list in the U.S. versus Hong Kong has to do with the fact that the U.S. actually has more relaxed rules around listing, not because, as uh, some people online, uh, some nationalists online like to say, because they're, you know, the dogs of the United States, it's, it was literally a pure business decision. You know, the, the, the board of directors, the investors said, hey, we need to uh, get some money from the public markets. Um, and finally, you know, venture capital backers are like, finally, we get an exit. Uh, and so it was purely about money and, uh, and business, not about politics whatsoever. But as we're finding more and more, both from the U.S. side and from the China side, you can't separate business from politics any longer. So, Tracy, Didi and three other companies have been placed under this cybersecurity review. What's going to happen next? I would say no one knows. But according to the regulation document, a review generally takes up to 45 working days to complete, but the period can be extended if the case is very complex. Also, the time spending on preparing document uh, submitted by the target of the investigation is not counted as part of that 45 working days. So it could be take a while for us to know the answer. So, John, let me finish with the $4.4 billion question probably being asked by investors in DD. What comes next for China's biggest ride-sharing service? 
It's it's not clear. So right now, the only market that they are actually being affected in by uh, this investigation and removal of, of apps from app stores is in China. Now, I say only, but I think only has to be has to come in quotations because it is the their largest uh, market and it is the market they are the most uh, dominant in uh, as well. Uh, and so I think we have to wait and see how it goes with the uh, the cybersecurity review. I think one big question is going to be how long do their apps stay off the app store? So right now, I would say 90% of the market, 95% of the ride-hailing market in China, uh, which means that if anyone is ever going to call a car, it's probably going to be through DD, which means that most of the people who, who were going to download the app probably already have. Now, the issue is, uh, let's say you lose your phone. Let's say you buy a new phone. You cannot currently download the app. Maybe there are some workarounds if you're on Android, but certainly not on iOS. This is the big thing. How long are Didi's apps going to stay off the app stores? If it's only one day or two days, it's not going to be that big of a deal. As we go into a week or longer, then I think that we that uh, if I was in DD, I would start getting concerned. Um, but generally speaking, you know, when we're looking at expansion plans, they have expansion plans in Southeast Asia and in South America, but. Those are some actually some pretty competitive markets. They're going up against Uber. They're going up against Grab and Gojek, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that when we're looking at how they're going to be affected, it's going to be mostly in China. But the bad news for them is that China is their primary market. John, Tracy, thanks for joining me today here in the studio. So far this week, we've had three major updates in this story. It's a story that's developing day by day, so remember to keep up with the latest on scmp.com. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow the SCMP Tech team at SCMP Tech. If you like your tech news delivered by newsletter, John Artman sends one out every Saturday directly to your email. You can sign up at scmp.com newsletters. And don't forget also our previous episode of Inside China we made a couple months ago. It's about Beijing's antitrust issues and its crackdown on big tech companies. And there's a really interesting interview with Chinese law professor Angela John about how Beijing uses its laws to push its tech companies in certain directions. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. And for those of you who listen to us on YouTube and make comments, try and stay on topic. My name is Xin Meishen. Stay safe. Bye for now. <laughs>